All right, welcome into finally, mercifully, happily, the final podcast of the draft. Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here. The draft has wrapped. The Bengals have made 10 picks in three days. Many words have been spilled onto the internet about it by Jay and I in our last task. Stories are filed. Last task is it, is to complete this podcast for you guys. And then what comes next, Jay? Let's just, let's, I'll just say it. The best beer of the year, but I'm, I'm going out of order. I'm not waiting until the podcast is over. <laughs> ready? I'm ready. <laughs> there we go. Uh, now we will see if this leads to a nap. Or if it leads to a few more beers and a shot of Jaeger or two. Jay, Jay, we have plans now. You can't don't 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 go live on, on air and tell me that you're like maybe you're just gonna all of a sudden ditch on our plans, okay? This was supposed to be our, our post pandemic fully vaccinated post draft beers. I, I don't have a lot of things to look forward to in life. Jay, this is one of them. I'll 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 buckle up. I'll be there. <laughs> Ah, uh, let's talk about this last day of the draft and 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 some themes on the whole as we uh saw the Bengals conclude this with boy a hectic important hour and a half. You know, this is one of those like I I'm looking forward to talking to a number of different people uh over the course of the next few weeks uh about how everything went but like what it must be like to know that you have worked for a year for this hour and a half to go well. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the move you, we talked about it last night and it, and it really came in our faces on Saturday afternoon, the trade back and adding those two fourth round picks changed the entire dynamic of this weekend for this team and put that period of four picks in 43 selections um, into focus as really a, a big centerpiece of whether this draft will be viewed as successful or not. And there's a lot of other aspects to that question, but it was a busy day. I'm just going to run down the list real quick, and then we can talk about all of that. Um, with the first pick in the fourth round, number 111, they took Cam Sample, uh, an edge from Tulane, kind of a hybrid edge, kick inside guy, big physical guy they really liked, uh, particularly at the Senior Bowl. That's a theme. Uh, with the next pick, number 122 overall, they went back to LSU because why not and took uh, – Humongous human, as Dane Brugler <laughs> opens up his uh, his uh, evaluation of him, uh, Tyler Shelvin from LSU, six two three fifty. That's big. That, that's a humongous human, giant man, uh, immovable object, as he's also referred to uh, out of LSU uh, to be as a defensive tackle. There, next one thirty nine. They. They go finally dip back into the waters of the offensive line again. Deontay Smith from ECU, a tackle who's more of a project. Don't think 21, think 2022 20, and beyond for him. Um, you know, but he's got all the measurables, but they're going to have to mold him and teach him and hope that he turns into a real guy down the line. And then in the fifth round, number 149 overall, I mean, it was almost every 10 picks they were ticking off a new one. Uh, they do it. They go kicker. Evan McPherson from 
Florida, almost almost the exact same spot four years since Jake Elliott went at 153. Uh, they pick the very same spot to go for the top kicker on their board, and uh, they get him in-house. Then with this day, so now you have a break. They get to the sixth round, number 190. They take Trey Hill, a center from Georgia. Again, think project, think down the line, uh, somebody they'll have to work with, but has played major ball at a major university, and, and maybe there's some traits that they can develop there. Then the next pick, this is part of the Ryan Finley trade-up, which I think paid off. I don't know that they're getting him, uh, by the way, those 30-whatever spots back they got out of the Ryan Finley trade to move up to 202. Uh, they take Chris Evans running back from Michigan, a guy who hardly played at Michigan, um, but had insane traits and played his face off at the Senior Bowl to make everybody kind of think, did Michigan just totally blow having this dude on his team and not use him? Well, the Bengals are planning to find out the answer to that question. Then finally, with the last pick of the draft, the Bengals at 235 took Wyatt Hubert, an edge rusher from Kansas State. Jay, your biggest takeaway on these picks on day three? Um, I would say the surprise at Tyler Shelvin. I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised that they took a defensive tackle, but I thought it would be a three technique, not a humongous human that gives you almost nothing in the pass rush as a pass rusher. He's he's all about stopping the run. Um, that really surprised me, and, and, and not just not just that, but I mean he is as, as Zach said he he jumps off the tape when you're watching. He said he flies off the tape when you're watching it, but he has motivation issues or he had motivation issues he had weight issues he was 390 at one point I think he he said 380 on a zoom today and he got it down to 346 and you know much more playable number but you know that was just a a few years ago and and they kind of kicked him into shape at LSU suspended him for a few games but that that's a red flag when you've got a guy like that I mean if if he's lacking motivation in college what what's it going to be like when he gets this big contract um, and, and then just again, the, the fact that he, not only that he's not a three technique, they never got one. You mentioned it, it cause I looked this up. You mentioned cam sample, his ability to kick inside Wyatt Hubert, uh, the seventh round pick out of Kansas state, his ability to kick inside Wyatt Hubert came, he said, I played all over. I went to PFF and looked at their, their, uh, uh, what's the word distribution well the the snaps but it's like they're they're specialized like they say the exact spot yep. on the field he took seven snaps at tackle at defensive tackle last year um or hubert took 14 snaps sample took seven but what they really fell in love with sample at the senior bowl and that's where they really started putting him over guards and or and yeah putting him over guards seeing what he could do and i, I think that was more the case there where the kind of the light went on and they saw what he could do but neither of these guys have have done that have moved inside it's an option but you still don't have a a three technique to to back up Larry Ogunjobi should anything happen yeah we we talked about that in the lead up look out for the free agent market that's fairly nice there look out for the free agent market that's fairly nice there I would think um you know, you've got Jarrell Casey, you know, Atkins, even uh, we've talked about some of those guys who who could be 
you know, the the guys to help fill in that when they get out of here. Yeah, and I mean they've still they've got some money available. They're, they they've got money earmarked for the extensions, but yeah, I I I don't know what to think about Gino. It just it it, it would make sense if nobody else wants him that you would bring him back, a guy that you're familiar with, but it, it just the way they've purged all those Marvin veterans, it it would really surprise me if if they brought Gino back. I, I think Jarrell Casey is the the more likely if they're going to go find a a veteran guy. And I'm I'm sure there's other ones out there. There are a lot of guys that are that are still free agents and and everybody's waiting those guys if if you were to if you sign them before i think it's four o'clock monday they count as a free agent signing and it counts in the comp pick formula you wait till after four o'clock monday they become street free agents and that they don't they don't ding you on the comp pick so i i think we're going to see you know, maybe not a frenzy like regular free agency, but I think we're going to see a decent amount of signings this week. Now that people have their draft picks in in place, they know what their needs are, and they can get these guys after four o'clock Monday, and it's not going to cost them in the comp formula. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. It'll be very interesting, but you know, um, yeah, Shelvin I think is a is probably the biggest surprise pick. I would I would not uh, necessarily disagree with that because. <laughs> You know, you have Josh Tupo coming back. You had Rennell Wren. To me, that was the the loser of that pick. To me, that says they are not comfortable with his medicals, mm-hmm. and or at least not comfortable with having any trust in him coming back um, at the same level or his talent level. You know, we, we've not we've not really seen him play. Like, what have we seen of Rennell Wren? We haven't seen hardly anything of Rennell Wren uh, outside of a really uneventful rookie year until he had his hip thing. And he got hurt at the beginning of last year. I mean, so you're you, Shelvin potentially can help that. The thing about Shelvin, you mentioned the motivation issues. You know what helps that? <laughs> the guy he carried off the, yeah. <laughs> off the field uh, after a win with LSU, Joe Burrow, and mm-hmm. Jamar Chase is like one of his really really good friends. Like they were very open about that. Chase was going bananas on mm-hmm. on his social, and Shelvin said they're they're very tight. Having, you know. Guys that can keep you accountable, that understand that you feel that, you know, can help you feel motivated. I mean, certainly the Bengals are counting on Joe Burrow to make a lot of people feel motivated inside of that building, which Shelvin might be one of the reasons why maybe that's a red flag for other teams, but it wouldn't be as much for you because you feel like you've got a little bit of a superpower in connecting with that guy. One other thing about Shelvin and and Brody Miller, who's awesome, covers LSU for us. Um, he he hit us with a message on on Slack after they took him, and he he wrote a big piece on on Shelvin and, and his growth. And when he was doing that story, uh, someone relayed to him a story that when Bill Belichick and the Patriots were were scouting the twenty twenty team, um, or they were scouting the twenty nineteen players for the twenty twenty draft. He was looking at uh, Shazan and Patrick Queen and Jacob Bell and all those guys. And Bill Belichick, according to Brody Source, said, wait, six, eight, and 18? No, I don't give a shit about them. I want number 72. You make sure 72 is on our team. <laughs> 72, of course, is Shelvin. So, I mean, if Bill Belichick's on board with them, uh, there's your endorsement. And the Bengals picked him with a pick they got from the New England Patriots. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, the NFL is just so symmetrical all the time. (laughs) All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. 
I thought this was kind of a notable aspect of this was, you know, that fourth round, again, it continued what they did after they took Chase. So all the headlines were made. All the headlines are made about the Bengals going for the skill player over the interior and over the, the offensive line, and games are won in the trenches. What did the Bengals follow that decision with? Five straight trench players. Five straight offensive or defensive linemen all the way into the fifth round when they took the kicker. I mean, that is... Look, yeah, we're going to we're going to go for the primary weapon here on the outside. We're going to get the one elite player immediately, but we're going to spend the rest of this draft dedicated to building depth on the interior where they just got destroyed the last, really the last two years. But last year in particular, where they were it was just a train wreck. They had nowhere to go. You know, I, I thought one of the the best quotes that Zach Taylor has had in a long time was him just talking about we we were not going to let I'm not going to let that happen to us again where it's week 12 and week 13 and you're finding Xavier Williams and and these guys off the street not that there's anything wrong with those guys that came in and played their faces off as hard as they could they're not going to put themselves it felt like a lesson learned draft you know mm-hmm. we are not going to ignore this we are not going to let Depth and injuries inside derail another season. And that's how they treated those five picks. How many of them will pan out? I don't know. Like, if a draft is a draft, two, one, two if you're lucky, mm-hmm. really pan out of those five. But they take shots. And they were able to do that because of the trade. And that's all kind of what this whole draft is, keeps coming back to is, is, that, is that trade opening up a lot of stuff. Yeah, I thought that quote from Zach was really interesting. Like, we're not going to let that happen to us again. I, I wonder, because you mentioned you know, the question mark with Rennell Wren. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of ill will with, with Josh Tupo opting out last year. And they're saying, you know, he's going to have an uphill climb to make the team this year. Um, I don't know that they would hold that against him. It, it was, you know, a, a tough situation. Guys had to make personal choices, but it's – it, just the way that football's structured, it's you know kind of playing for your teammates, and and I, I just wonder if there's a bigger question mark on Tupo as well as Ren, and that that factored into the the Shelvin decision as well, and maybe they thought they could get a three technique at some point. I mean, Marvin Wilson went undrafted, and the Browns landed him in. in 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 free agency right after the draft, so maybe they thought they could they could go that route and either get a guy later in the draft or in free agency. But yeah, it's it. They are, as you said, set up to at least have shots. You, maybe they don't all pan out, but that's the reason you trade back. You, you you miss out on some good players. They missed out on three tackles they could have had, but you get the extra picks, and it's not just the picks that. That they got that the, the Shelvin and and Don, Deontay Smith, it's it's the way it set them up. I don't, if they if they don't make that trade, I don't think there's any way they take a kicker in the fifth round. But they no. had a they had a shot. Darren Simmons said they probably thought he was a six round kicker. Everybody else probably thought he was a six round kicker. But they're picking later in the sixth round. And if you think what everybody else thinks, if you want that guy, you got to go around early. They wouldn't have not have had that luxury to go after Evan McPherson in the fifth round had they not made that trade and added the extra capital. 
Yeah, that that was interesting. The the kicker pick there doing that. You're right. It's solely because they made that trade that mm-hmm. they were able to be aggressive and going after him. Did they need to? They passed on Kenneth Gainwell to do so. And I love the Chris Evans pick. I I, yeah. I really am intrigued by him as a player, as a you know, as a, just a physical guy and what he can bring. However. You know, a guy like Gainwell has some skins on the wall. I mean, you talk about is you talk about production uh, versus traits, and and Gainwell has both. Uh, I'll I'll be interesting in tracking his career as one where you decided to take a kicker instead of him when he was sitting right there. You know, it's one thing when Michael Carter goes off right at the top of the fourth round, and you're not even able to get a chance to swipe at him in, in what would be an early swipe for a guy like him. Uh, but when a guy like Gainwell is sitting there, I mean, who could very well be a very productive player and had a lot of the things you wanted to see, great. But perhaps they had their eyes on Evans the whole time and knew that later in the draft, this they feel like this is their own little, not secret, like it's not a secret in scouting necessarily, but that they would really feel better about than most. Uh, perhaps they, they viewed it that way, but um, still passing on, Running, although I do think Darren Darren Simmons talked because he might have convinced me that I was wrong in thinking that. Because I mean, he he said, "Look, what what helps you more? Someone who's going to come in yeah. and battle for a backup spot, or someone who is a starter who's a big part of whether you win or lose on Sundays." I mean, how many games did this team lose because of missed field goals, particularly in big moments, Cezy Cavs, uh, <laughs> over the last couple of years? I mean, and it, that has happened. I mean, and, and when you have a bad kicker, you live that life. Um, of frustration, and when you how many how many one score games does this team have to lose? Now, a lot most of those were not Randy's fault. How many one score games does this team have to lose until maybe that's something that you realize how you know how much more important that can be? So I I kind of was coming over his side once he got done kind of convincing me, so I credit him on that. Uh, but I'm still going to be watching Kenneth Gainwell uh closely. Yeah, I would have li- loved to have seen a video shot of the Eagles war room when the Bengals took McPherson because they had to have known the Bengals were in the market for a for a ki- for a running back as well. And, and as I tweeted out, you know, the second time in four years, a Bengals kicker decision benefits the Eagles because <laughs> they, they get Jake Elliott in 2017 when the Bengals put him on the practice squad. And now this with Gainwell, I, I the McPherson thing was maybe my favorite, definitely my favorite thing today, maybe my favorite thing of the draft because we get him on Zoom and he starts to answer his first question and he, you just hear this and he has this weird look on his face and he stops and then he, and he comes out. He's like, I'm sorry about that. And, and Ben Baby's like, what just happened there? And he said this big, huge, souped up monster truck just ran by his house right as he was starting his interview. I was like, oh, he's he's my people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Alabama is basically South Hamilton. And so I, I could really relate to that as I was like, that, that just cracked me up because it's like I'm, I've dealt with that many times doing interviews in a either a siren or a loud vehicle of some sort just goes running right by your door. Oh, South Hamilton. I think I'm going to have to start using that. We reference Alabama a lot here in the football world. I feel like we can start calling uh, University of South Hamilton. Keeps winning those championships with Nick Saban. I like that idea. Um, yeah, so that, the McPherson thing, uh, Darren also said what we all kind of assume. Like, look, this is, this is his job. The expectation is that he's going to be the kicker on opening day. Obviously, you know, they haven't even had the discussion of should they even basically basically we haven't talked about if we should even have a battle. Uh, but 
all expectations are Evan McPherson will show up week one. You know, and I asked them about reflecting on the battle with Ellie and Bullock because it a very similar spot came in. Some vet is there who you're going to, you know, uh, air quotes, have a competition with. Uh, and it ends up, you know, I'm not going to say backfiring, but, you know, all of a sudden you end up having to cut the fifth round pick kicker because um, he wasn't as good. And the whole team knew it. And what did you learn from that? And he's talked about, you know, what what a veteran will do when you back him into a wall and, and what guys can do with competition. Austin Seibert is not that. No. He doesn't he he you know, he does not compare to what Bullock even was before he came to Cincinnati. Um at least Bullock had done some stuff. So, uh, you know, this feels to me like a more of a coronation and if they decide to have I'm sure they'll let them both kick, but it would have to be a total disaster for McPherson for him to not be their kicker on opening day. And I would be surprised if that's the case. I mean, we're not talking about a guy, no disrespect to Memphis, but this guy, McPherson played in the SEC. And, and the one thing that is interesting is Darren talked about kind of that clutch aspect that he has. Um, and and I asked him about it on the Zoom, and he, he has never had a game-winning kick. He had a, a couple big ones with a couple minutes to go where he, he took it from a a seven point game to a 10 point game made it a made it a two possession game and they were big kicks but the next time he lines up for a game winning kick will be his first it's going to be in the NFL so you you do wonder about that but you're right he's he not he would not only have to really stumble in camp but Cybert would just have to dominate i i just I think the writing's on the wall. This is this is his job. They also signed uh, punter Drew Chrisman in in free agency from Ohio State. Same thing. That's that's not going to be. That, he's he's a camp leg. He's going to take some of the the work off away from Kevin Huber. Kevin Huber's still going to be the the punter. There's I, I don't think there's going to be any kind of spirited competition kicker or punter wise in camp this year. Yeah, uh, Jay, you have a story up now um, with your favorite picks. And, you know, the risky – oh, there's a number of different things in there. I actually haven't seen it yet because I was busy filing my <laughs> story, which is sort of a massive revisiting of the offensive line conversation and, and where it stands after this offseason. And I'm curious what you had to some of your answers to those. And – I. I, I may give you mine. Can you? Can you? Yeah, I was going to say it? I'm curious what yours are, so I'll so I'll tell you, you what you, the, you you give me the question. Yeah. Okay. All right. The first one was best pick. I you know, I, best pick. I mean, is Jamar Chase? I think in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I think he's going to be in the competition for rookie of the year. Um, you know, he, as far as who's going to be the best player, but that's too easy to do. Like to me, that's too easy. Like obviously, the guy you pick fifth overall is going to be your best pick. My favorite pick, as far as you know, where they got him and what he could potentially be, I like Cam Sample. I, 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 you know, they've done this a lot. This mid-round defensive lineman who can do a lot of things. They do. They have had an eye for this in the past. And I I like a lot of the way his career arc. I like a lot of the idea that he wasn't really truly unleashed at Tulane. I like his versatility. I, I I like his size and his power. And you know he's another one of these. Osai and Sample both have this high motor reputation, relentless finisher type thing that they honestly felt 
defensively that they have lacked since they've gotten here that this defense didn't have it. They wanted 11 Sam Hubbards, <laughs> <laughs> and they felt like they had one Sam Hubbard, <laughs> and especially on the defensive line, and I think that's a noticeable um, connective trait between Osai and Sample, and that's I, I, really like, I really like the Sample pick there. Yeah, you said Chase was the easy way out. I was tired, Paul, and I took the easy way out. I took Chase. That's <laughs> <laughs> understandable. It's understandable. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, next next question. Uh, biggest surprise. Jackson Carmen, right? I mean, I, I I've got him later. In, yeah. a, in a different category. I want I Shelvin. Mean, I may, I, 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 yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, Shelvin is Shelvin's a bit of a surprise because of the position, but Carmen because of the person. Because man, we spend so much time um, parsing through all these guys and to and to end up with somebody. You know, it was just he, he was off a lot of the radars of the big draft media, and you know, you go into PFF. I mean, PFF has to love this draft because every time I went and checked their ratings, they were very high on every, almost every pick, including Carmen. We talked that about that last night, but then you go back through some of their their picks later on in the draft. PFF big fan of their fourth round in particular, um, and so. I just think that the off the radar nature nature made it him him the biggest surprise to me. It was tough to find something that really surprises you on day three because there's so many different directions you can go. But to pull pull a name that was I'm not going to say out of thin air, but definitely off the radar out um, at that spot um, to me was the biggest surprise. Yeah, the, the next question is biggest question mark, and that's where I went, Carmen where you're asking a guy that's never played guard in his life to come in and protect the face of the franchise as a starting week one guard as a rookie. Um, and for all the reasons you just said that he was, he was not really a guy that people, he was, was on the radar and, and definitely not a guy that people thought would be taken there in the mid forties in the second round. Yeah, we shall see. We will all watch in real time and learn if he was a reach or if those other guys were not, if the Bengals had the correct evaluation. It comes down to the evaluation, you know, at the end of the day. It's it's everyone and everyone that was drafted, every team will learn if they got it right. And there's a lot of people that were drafted in front of Jackson Carmen and behind Jackson Carmen mm-hmm. that where their teams got it wrong. That's the nature of the draft. That's the way it goes. Uh, the Bengals just hope that uh, they're not one of them. They just happen to have a lot riding on that pick. And then the next one was, uh, we've already addressed this, but need left unaddressed during the draft. And obviously three technique. That was just a... Uh, uh, Maybe an oversight, maybe not. I don't. I don't think it was an oversight. It's not like they caught the the Bengals. The Bengals got caught flat footed, like you said. Maybe they have a plan to get somebody of a vet in free agency later this week. But just it 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 by the letter of the way it's worded, a a, knee, a, a position that was unaddressed during the draft, and it was that was it. Three technique. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, but I mean, I think. I wonder how many teams have that same thing because mm-hmm. you had a draft that didn't address it. <laughs> yeah, it was a- sometimes the teams don't address it. Sometimes the draft doesn't address it. And I think this might have been one where the draft didn't address it um, for a lot of teams. And you know the you know the Bengals would okay they sure they could they could have maybe tried to go after somebody early before the draft, but you you never know. I mean, we talked about how they could have pulled the pit 
pulled the trigger on a guy like Barmore or Anzarike uh, back in the second round. And, and that I guarantee you that was in at least a conversation at some point um, where you're, no one's going to be making any moves early. So I, that I would I would I would agree with you, but I don't know that I had a full anticipation of it happening. So I don't know if there were they were very need based. I mean, their needs yeah, were them. their needs were the number one receiver and a offensive line and defensive line, and they just went bananas on that. Yes. <laughs> they they used their number one asset of the entire offseason on the receiver, and they used the next five picks on the rest of it. I mean. You know, kicker also a need. Backup check running that, back. Check that box. Backup yep. running back, and they they definitely did. I don't think anything truly went unaddressed. So you're that probably is the correct answer. That I don't know that I fault them for it. Yeah, it is the it's the correct answer by default. Mm-hmm. And that was so that was the last one. That was the last. The, the, one. Yeah, the last one. Uh, not really. A, it's um, how has the outlook outlook for the season changed? And there's that's not really an answer. That's kind of a more of a a thought i i i just said you know it's hard to say even though it's just one pick the addition to chase really feels like it's a game changer for everything you wrote about just the 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 attitude the confidence the swagger the the way that just drafting him lit the fuse for for mixon and boyd and how you can maybe see a, a a fast start building on that even more and just watching this this team's confidence skyrocket and and maybe all of a sudden the playoff window opens this year instead of next year uh, of note um just as a aside one of the most interesting things to come out of just being on zooms with coaches today brian callahan basically said and hat tip to ben baby for asking him because it had not occurred to me to even ask um just as we were going through everything so draft centric as just throwing out you know what's going to happen on third downs now and Callahan was like look welcome to the Joe Mixon experience Joe Mixon is getting paid he didn't say this I'm saying this yeah. Joe Mixon is getting paid and we're going to make him earn it and he's been wanting to be part of the the offense for every down and we're going to let him and so what was that fantasy alarm fantasy alert wah, wah, wah. I mean look they want Joe Mixon to be out there every down. He said, I don't want him to come off the field. That means third down. That means protections. He's every ball that comes out of the backfield. They want Joe Mixon to catch it. Every time they hand it off, they want Joe Mixon to take it. You know, think Todd Gurley in LA before he got hurt hmm. is bell cow. Give it to him. Let him go. Let him earn his coin. And, you know, he's excited to work with Frank Pollock. He's going to be – he's super excited to have all these weapons. He is excited uh, to be used as the full-time guy, particularly out of the back. He's been begging to catch more passes over the years. If it's more Joe Mixon you want, if it's the full Joe Mixon experience you've been begging for, you're about to get it. Take that. Put it out there with the three weapons that they have on the outside – the second-year bump of Burrow, the second-year bump of Higgins, checking off so many boxes, a defense that really I think is going to be competitive. I don't think they're going to be great, but when you look at all the pieces that they added and where they're at, and they have some real players, I mean, you know, Bates, Hubbard's still solid. I think Hendrickson can be very good. You're going to have Reeder and Wayne's back, and 
you know, the I think the linebackers can really take a step in year two. And I'm sounding like Paul, you know, I'm not not Paul Paul Downer Jr. anymore. I'm getting <laughs> a little optimistic, but like that is all set up. Set one of my part of my story I wrote was this all that other foundational stuff is all set up, but it's all hangs in the balance of the same damn question we've been asking here for five years. Will the line be good enough to let it take off? I just think the stakes are higher now. I think they have so so many other things in place that can take off if the line has effectively established what, Jay? Hashtag no donkeys. (laughs) Have they done it? I... And the answer is maybe, maybe. I think they went from the beginning of the offseason, they were maybe question mark, and I think now they're maybe period. <laughs> That's as close as I can get uh, to, to making anybody feel good about that because they could have been more aggressive. They could have gone after it more. They could have assured that it was maybe exclamation point or yes, uh, but they didn't. Uh, they kind of tried to work the whole problem together as one, and that's fine. That can absolutely work. No one's gonna hold. No, I'm not holding that against them necessarily, but it's still the question. It, the question is still a question and not an answer, and that's the concern uh, as you enter the 2021 season with this team as currently constructed after this draft. The thing with the offensive line is it's it's a two part thing. It's the players. And it's the coach. And, and I think we, we forget about the importance that Frank Pollock's going to have because, I mean, you look at how excited Billy Price was when they brought Frank Pollock back. And, you know, I just – Jim Turner just had that that personality, that coaching style that I think could wear guys down. And nobody ever came out and criticized him, but you never saw guys, like, throwing their support behind him either, saying, oh, this guy's great, he's awesome. And Billy Price did that. Joe Mixon did that. Soon as they hired Frank Pollock, they loved him. The one year they had him, and and I, I think that's the underrated part of this. Where yeah, you couldn't stand Pat, but I think I think the line would have if they did stand Pat. I think the line would have been better anyhow, just just based on bringing Frank Pollock in. But now you marry some new pieces with Frank Pollock with more weapons, and yeah, I, I just I I think we are gonna see. The answer that they're looking for, is anybody going to be an all-pro on that line? No, but I think the donkeys are gone, or they will be when they cut to 53. We'll all learn together. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all learn together. Uh, All right, Jay, this has been been fun. I hope people have enjoyed um, this whole draft process. I hope people have enjoyed listening. I hope people have had a lot of fun reading everything and debating. And I hope everybody that texted the or uh, tweeted the name Trey Smith to me over the last <laughs> day uh, has gotten that out of their system after almost the entire league passed on him like four times. Um, but you know, I hope everybody enjoyed the debates and the in every aspect. It, it it is a labor of love for us. It is a labor, but it's a labor of love for us, and we enjoy it. And uh, it was it's it's great. And I'm mean, I'm excited to cover a team that you know I I think is very very 
interesting. I don't know exactly what they're going to be at this point, but they're definitely interesting. And uh, that's fun for me. I think it should be fun for Bengals fans. And I, and I enjoy that Bengals fans got to enjoy an offseason with all the fun things. <laughs> Free agencies and drafts and big time discussions and playmakers and offensive linemen and coach hires and, and coach everything. The Bengals fans got to have all the fun stuff this offseason, and we'll see how much fun they're going to be having in the fall. But I hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks everybody for listening. You guys are the reasons uh, for me uh, that that this is is fun to do when you guys all kind of chime in and and uh, talk about what we're talking about, even in minute you know, 98 of a podcast or something like that's It's great. So thanks everybody for, for listening. We will talk to you next week. More fun is coming. So don't worry about that. We're not going to stop talking about the draft. We're not going to yeah. stop. Like it's still going to continue and it's going to get more interesting uh, as we do it. But so keep an eye out for that. We'll be back on Tuesday with hear that podcast ground and, and more, more looks to the draft then. So for that, have a good one, everybody. That beer is about to be opened. We'll talk to you later.